Well, folks, how are you? Jerry Adams and Shaw Arish, August Tasula Gomsa, Maris Gra, Gowal Shibsha, Gohan Moy, August Talan, Lakanshwi, and Shakhtan Shaw. Lots to talk about uh, this week. I want to start off with a, a sad, distressing story. And it's about young Noah and maybe a, a shaft of light. On Saturday, a week ago, when several thousand people turned out at Belfast City Hall in a demonstration of solidarity and support for the Donahue family. And this 14-year-old boy was found in a storm drain in North Belfast in June 2020 after being missing for six days. And the PSNI handling of the case has opened up huge questions and justifiable criticism. And in particular, its request for information to be withheld under a public interest immunity application has caused outrage. And at the weekend last, the NIO attempted to distance Shailish Farah MP, the recently appointed British Secretary of State, from the application. It claimed that the PII was made by the PSNI, but actually it was Boris signing of the order which pushed the responsibility for deciding what can and cannot be made public over to the coroner's office. North Belfast MP John Finucane, whose family have been fighting a long campaign for the truth about the murder of their family and husband, human rights lawyer Pat Finucane, addressed Saturday's protest. John expressed solidarity with Noah's mother Fiona and her family, and he said that they did not stand alone. When Fiona fights for the answer she deserves through our legal system, she knows, everyone knows, that there are so many who stand with her and support her. And while he had never met Noah, John said that since his death, it's hard not to feel that we've all got to know something about this incredibly special boy who lived in Belfast, who went to St. Malachy's College in North Belfast. He was a good student, a good friend, a basketball fan, and someone who had their life ahead of them. The inquest into Noah's death takes place on November the 28th. The family's legal team is currently preparing for the inquest as it has the potential to examine all of the issues all of the questions need to be answered in a fair and transparent matter. And there are so many questions around his disappearance, the matter in which the search was conducted, and the introduction of the public interest immunity certificate. The key to getting to the truth is openness and transparency. The family seek justice. That is their right. And that is why so many support Noah's clan. On a slightly happier note, but again, a a reminder of darker days. There was standing room only in the prisoner's day and the felons as Richard McCauley and I were joined by former Armagh political prisoners Sheila Dara, Marty Koish and Martina Anderson for the launch 
of a new book which Richard and I have written on the Armagh women, that is, on the women prisoners in Armagh. And this is a tribute as well as a history of the Republican women resisting oppression. The Armagh women, the story of protest in Armagh women's prison, begins with the construction of the prison in the 18th century. It outlines the imprisonment of Republican women there in the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s. And regrettably, there is not a huge amount of information covering that period. So the book primarily focuses on the period from 1917 to 1986, when the Republican women prisoners were moved to McGabry Prison. And during those years, hundreds of women, some as young as 16 and others in their 60s, were held in appalling, unhealthy and frequently brutal conditions. They were from all parts of the North. <coughs> the book contains first-hand accounts of conditions and the women's experiences. And through their own words, we get a sense, a glimmer of the extreme hardships they endured and of the daily battles, including hunger strikes, that took place within the dark, forbidding walls of the 200-year-old prison. The British government and the prison regime sought to break the spirit of the Armagh women. They embarked on a deliberate strategy aimed at dehumanising the women, denying them basic personal hygiene products, forcing them to live in squalor and isolation cut off from family, friends and the world outside. But despite the escalating campaign of punishments, intimidation and brutality, the women refused to be broken. Their camaraderie, their solidarity with each other and to their comrades outside the prison were strengthened. Their resolve, their spirit and their commitment to their Republican principles and objectives remained steadfast. This book is also a testament to the courage and determination of those, or indeed even we, those on the outside who campaigned initially during those years for political status, against internment, then against criminalisation, and subsequently against strip searching. The families of prisoners formed the backbone of these campaigns, especially those who campaigned as the relatives' action committees. And we're all indebted to them for their hard work, their courage, often in the face of threats and violence from the state, and their love. So, the book, The Armagh Women, The Stories of Protest in Armagh Women's Prison, it's £18 from an Ashok, 55 Bohorna Wall, Falls Road, BT 12 4P D. And it's a not-for-profit publication. The proceeds from the sale of the Armagh women go to the Green Cross. Okay, folks, go to meet a Mogov. <coughs> I have a frog in my throat. A lot of raw around uh, Fela and Fubble. Fela and Fubble was a triumph. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful festival of exuberance, of enjoyment, of imagination, of debate, of discussion, of song, of music, of the arts. And I think all of us who went to any of the events came away 
uplifted by that experience. And I, I mentioned this in, in passing last week, and I, and I didn't do justice to Amel de May. Amel de May's poetry, her songwriting, and she's now going to be in a film, but particularly her performance on the big failure stage was absolutely amazing. So, Gora Market, Ahara, Augustine Diniella, of we egg Yano Obwer, our son, and Fela. And I want to thank and congratulate the organizing committee, the hundreds of activists, of volunteers who made Fela and Fubble possible by their hard work. And Fela just didn't happen. It takes a huge amount of planning throughout the year. The result was 10 days during which 100,000 people attended scores of debates, discussions, 28 art exhibitions, music and sporting events, book launches, and much more. Over 350 events with 90% free. The genius of the Fela is that it allows the people of West Belfast to define our identity and share our experience with ourselves, but also with visitors. Everyone is welcome. Fela is a celebration of all that is positive and exciting and creative and inclusive in West Belfast. It was established in 1988 as a positive answer in part to the accusation that the people of this part of Belfast were savages and as a response to British state censorship, collusion, exclusion and the demonisation of our citizens. And it's grown to be the largest community festival on these islands. So, Nabi Buraha, don't be annoyed, worried, put off by the begrudgers, by the naysayers, by the killjoys. The summer school, which included 80 debates, over 80 debates actually, make it the largest of its kind. I attended as many of these as I possibly could and participated in some as a panellist. They were informative, enlightening and attracted packed audience, all of them who were happy to join in the conversations on climate action, United Ireland, the referendum in Irish Unity, women and the Republican struggle, the war on Ukraine, language rights, the role of trade unions, the plight of the Palestinian people, <coughs> and much, much more. So, well done. And an interesting little note came in on the back of my piece about the Ark, and I, I, I think I will just read it to you. <coughs> it's from the Reverend John Moley, and he writes, Jerry Adams' piece on a young barman's experiences in North Belfast compels me to add my pennyworth. On a fine main day in 1931, I was born two floors up over the Ark Bar. If I'd looked down the street on that very first morn, I'd have been looking down Towns End Street. Henry Joy's wee city did indeed end there. Between the bar and the living rooms, on the second floor, the buffs, and incidentally I'd forgotten about the buffs, members of the Royal and the Ancient Order of the Buffaloes met. 
They played darts, bagatelle, dominoes and drafts. Their interest in politics seemed to wane before July was halfway through. The wee room was plain enough, as near as the ark had to a private snug. Between it and the bar were rows of boxes, each with a little table. These were frequented by ladies wearing black shawls, well away from the bar itself with its sawdust-sprinkled floor. The table was red bitty and tawny British wine, each costing 4D. My memory of the porter barrels differs from Jerry's. The wine came in Farkins, but the porter in much larger kills. The ark was closed during the 1935 troubles, and its more valuable fittings taken to our house in Cedar Avenue. I learned to count using the cash register. The no-sale button puzzled me, but it was the beginning of an education in the ark, finance for me to go through St Malachy's College and Maynooth. Yes, Jerry, the ark folk were decent folk, decent people, our own people, Reverend Joy Moley. Thank you, John, for, for that. I presume if the if this isn't a misprint that if the ark was closed during the nineteen thirty five troubles, then obviously it was reopened after that. And I check out the Fergans versus the uh, Kills if I can. But my my particular memory is of driving the big uh, tops into the Kills to fill paint glasses full of good porter. So it's nice to get uh, a response to an article and to know that that sparked off uh, a memory. And finally, by the time you get to uh, hear this podcast, the National Hunger Strike March will be on in Belfast. It's on on Sunday the 21st of August. And this is the first of these rallies since before COVID. And getting together reminds us that Britain's penal policy, which was an extension of its counterinsurgency strategy, failed, but at great cost in human life and suffering. So to mark this commemoration and this uh, anniversary of the deaths of the 10 men in the hits blocks of Long Cash and Frank Stagg and Michael Gahan in jails in England, Let's finish off, folks, with Anne and Francie Brawley's I'll wear no convicts uniform. Gunyuri and Talib, Nanagi, Arai, Mila Buihas, Slan, August, Banakti. I am a proud young Irishman in Ulster's hills. My life began a happy boy Through green fields ran I kept God's and man's laws But when my age was barely ten My country's wrongs were told again By tens of thousands marching men and my heart stirred to the cause so I'll wear no convict uniform 
nor meekly serve my time. That Britain might brand Ireland's fight eight hundred years of crime. I learned of centuries of strife, of cruel laws, injustice rife. I saw now in my own young life the fruits of foreign sway. Protesters threatened, tortured, maimed, divisions nurtured, passions flamed, outrage provoked, rights cause defamed. This is the conqueror's way. So I'll wear no convict's uniform, nor meekly serve my time. That Britain might brand Ireland's fight eight hundred years of crime. Descended from proud Connacht clan, Con Cannon served cruel Britain's plan. Man's inhumanity to man had spawned a trusty slave. No strangers are these bolts and locks, no new design. These dark hitch blocks, Black Cromwell lives while Mason stalks the bully taunts the brave. But I'll wear no convict's uniform, nor meekly serve my time. That Britain might brand Ireland's fight. Eight hundred years of crime. Does Britain need a thousand years of protest, riot, death, and tears? Or will this past decade of fears, of eighty decades, spell an end? To Ireland's agony, new hope for human dignity, and will the last obscenity be this grim hitch block cell? I'll wear no convict's uniform, nor meekly serve my time. That Britain might brand Ireland's fight eight hundred years of crime.